Stand by 24. 2-4, if you make your way through to Mountain Road, you mark it Friday too, please. Every year, hundreds of thousands of New Zealanders find themselves injured, stuck in pain, in dire straits, struggling to breathe. And when that happens, you call the ambulance. But St John Ambulance, one of two operators in New Zealand, alongside Wellington Free, is wounded itself. And a lot of that has to do with money. We have to borrow money from the ASB every 10 weeks to pay our wages. We have to borrow $20 million every every 10 weeks to pay the wages. Putting it crudely, in a sense, you know, we are relying on people dying to leave us money for us to know how much income we're going to get. We fully fund the police from the taxpayer purse, but every year St John volunteers take to the streets, cap in hand, just to raise the cash to continue doing what they do. I'm Emile Donovan, and today on The Detail, is it time to think about a sea change in how our ambulance services are funded? St John Ambulance, it's St John, not St John's, just so you know, has been around for quite some time. Certainly in New Zealand it's been around for over 130 years. That's Peter Bradley. He's been Chief Executive of St John since 2012, and his association with the organisation actually goes back nearly half a century. I started here in the late 70s uh, working on ambulance in Auckland, and then... um uh, spent about 15 years on, on working on an ambulance as an uh, ambulance officer and a paramedic and then got into management. Left and went to university down in Otago and then eventually left again to go to England and to run the London Ambulance Service. So I spent um, 16 years over there and then returned to run St John here in New Zealand. What does an ambulance officer do? Well, it varies. We've got a different levels, but clearly um, uh, the, the core, core job of an ambulance officer is to respond to... 111 calls and to um, treat patients, care for them, uh, transport them to hospital. And, of course, the level of training and skill has dramatically changed even since my time on the road. Mm. And uh, degree qualified, postgraduate qualified, do do a huge amount for patients um, in the home and the side of the road. What does St John actually do? The most visible part of what we do is obviously the ambulance service. That's what everyone sees. But um, but there are uh, there are three three key parts of St John. So there's, we run the ambulance service for ninety five percent of New Zealand, and along with Wellington Free, um, we have a, a commercial service or a customer service which um, provides um, things like medical alarms, um, does first aid training, so it generates income basically to support the ambulance service. Mm-hmm. So commercial. The third part is our charitable arm, which really looks uh, community arm, really, which um, transports people to hospital. Like health shuttles provides. Um, a, we've got a youth program with uh, seven thousand kids in that program. So basically, community programs in the communities across New Zealand. And it keeps them pretty busy. St John employs about 3,000 people across all aspects of its organisation, with another 7,000 or so volunteers chipping in to help out with fundraising, first aid and so on. But Peter Bradley reckons the organisation faces an existential crisis. St John Ambulance is cutting 100 jobs in the bid to save $30 million, with fundraising running well down on previous years, and its commercial arm not earning enough during the pandemic, St John's financial difficulties have hit sooner than thought. How is St John funded? So ACC and Ministry of Health, we have a contract with them to run the emergency ambulance service, a four-year contract. That provides us with 70% of our income. So we have to find the the remaining 30% of that, which is about 70 million, comes from a combination of a part charge. So we we charge people for for an ambulance. The part charge is about $98, but that doesn't cover everything. St John says if you divided their annual costs by the number of call-outs, 
that average out at about $700 each. We fundraise, keep out of what we do to run the ambulance service, and then we get income from our commercial services, our first aid training and, and other things, to, um, to fill that gap. So, yeah, 70% from the government, and the remainder we get from power charges and from income and yeah. fundraising. And so the fundraising, so that amounts to what, what did you say, about 70 million? Uh, well, the gap is 70 million. Yeah. Uh, the fundraising element of that is about 30 million. Okay. All in all, you work on a budget of around about 232 Yeah, two, 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 about 232, 40 million for the ambulance service, yeah. You've been around, as you say, for about 130 years. Has it always been like that? The ambulance service has grown and developed from what was many, many services, uh, you know, private services. In fact, in the 70s when I joined, um, a number of the services were run by DHBs. So Taranaki DHB, Hawke's Bay DHB, they ran their own ambulance service, basically a transport uh, organisation with, with with ambulance staff on them. Mm-hmm. Um, and St John ran some of the services. And then over the period of that 20 to 30 years, uh, eventually the DHBs realised uh, that it wasn't their core role to run an ambulance service and, and, and St John was in the fortunate position to win those contracts and so we, we, we've seen between over the past 20, 30 years a consolidation of, of now just two ambulance services in New Zealand where 20, 30 years ago we would have had 14 or 15. Why did the DHBs decide that, do you know? Oh, I think um, what I'd say there is from my observation that... Um, it, ambulance, ambulance back then was seen as transport. It yeah. was, it was seen like a, the laundry service, or the it, it didn't get the airtime or the visibility or the importance that uh, the other parts of the hospital service inevitably would. And I, I think a combination of a recognition that the ambulance service and profession was changing, and there needed to be investment in that. Um, and, and they saw the job that St John was doing, realised that actually we're not the right people to be running uh, an emergency ambulance service. St John should be doing that. Now, St John operates at a loss. Last year, its deficit was about $18 million, and that's in a non-COVID year. And its financial model means it relies on charitable donations and sponsors to make ends meet. Now, a big old spanner like COVID comes along, and Economics 101, companies, big sponsors, they have less money to spend on things like charities, charities like St John. So what does that mean for the financial health of the organisation. Putting it crudely, in a sense, you know, we are relying on people dying to leave us money for us to know how much income we're going to get, since we rely on bequest income to, to run our service. So it's, a, it's a really tenuous uh, funding arrangement, and as we've seen this year from COVID-19, inevitably the public can't put their hand in their pocket to the same extent, or our donors or other grant bodies, when we've um, when we're going we're going through a sort of a pandemic, and so that that really uh, shows the, the the flaw in the existing arrangements. It's fair to say that uh, compared to some of the smaller charities who do rely on on one or two big donors, well, we're not that exposed in that regard mm. because a lot of our most of our fundraising does come from the public, mm. and so uh, whilst we have seen a drop off in in donors and, and some of our grant income, we've also uh, in, in unav- unavoidably seen a reduction in people who uh, the members of the public who can just give the give the amount of support they can day in day out and of course our part charge too we've seen people you know people aren't able to pay their part charges as as they used to be able to pay have you already seen a drop off in terms of donors yes we have um some of our bigger donors uh, aren't able to give the same level of support so we've we've seen a reduction we've um you know we're predicting a 12 million dollar shortfall in fundraising this year and we're having to, you know, that, that's part of our cost savings is, you know, we can't rely on, we can't guarantee that. So we've got to plan now for that $12 million shortfall. And I, I've said many, many times it's wrong that we should be having to rely on people, uh, members of the public, to fundraise for us to pay wages. That's in essence what we're doing. 
Well, St John ambulance workers begin industrial action today, but you could be forgiven for thinking the staff have simply forgotten to put their uniforms on. Union negotiators and St John the wages of some ambulance workers taking part in strike action. Ambulance staff who have refused to comply with uniform requirements have had their wages slashed by 10%. Documents released at Checkpoint under the Official Information Act have revealed the tensions between paramedics, their employer St John and the government amid ongoing strike action. A union representing paramedics had threatened partial strike action for tomorrow, but it's been cancelled after St John Ambulance lodged a court injunction. St John says the injunction was lodged in the interests of patient safety. But some St John paramedics say they're at breaking point and urgent change is needed. What I would say about pay is that, yeah, it's, a good, it's an important point. So ambulance staff aren't paid what, they, what they're worth and what we would want to pay them. I don't think our funding arrangements have helped. Um, and, and, of course, what's happened over time is that um, they've fallen behind. So we've increased the training and skills and education. Um, and, we've, and, and so what ambulance staff can do, the scope of practice has changed dramatically, as I mentioned earlier, mm. but we haven't been able to reckon, recompense or re- pay our staff what they're worth. We did an independent uh, pay review last year, um, which recommended significant pay rises for our paramedics, particularly and for our intensive care paramedics. And um, we, you know, we're committed to making that happen, uh, come what may, uh, because our staff do need to be rewarded. And I think... Um, you know we're 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 in bargaining now with our with our union, so I can't say too much about that. But um, you know I'm absolutely committed to making sure that we give our staff the pay that they deserve as soon as possible. To be fair to the, um, we've we've had a number of conversations with um, Ministry of Health and with with the minister about that about this this specific issue over the past uh, 12 18 months, and um, they they understand that there's a there's a significant pay correction needed yeah. for, for for this for this group of staff for, for ambulance staff, and and I think there's a recognition that um, once we settle our, our current uh, bargaining that that we will receive an, what what they've said is an appropriate level of funding support for that. Mm. Um, so I think you know we're committed to making it happen. It's got to happen. The thing is, take a look at St John's annual reports, and on the surface, it doesn't look that dire. They lost 18 million bucks last year, sure, but they still hold nearly 240 million dollars worth of assets. I think it's really, really important that as a charity, and and coming from the UK, where I think there's, there's a real strong requirement to be transparent with your funding. I'm really committed to making sure that every aspect of what we do is transparent. We, we spend the public money here. Um, even if we aren't fully funded, we spend the public money. We've got to be absolutely transparent with what we do with the money we get, where it goes. Um, we're, we're acutely aware of not investing in buildings and, and not investing in buildings that aren't appropriate. And I think that's been an ongoing conversation in St John. You know, should we be leasing? Should we be owning? Should we even have a building? Should we be sharing? We've got to do better in that area. We know that. Uh, but in terms of our... Um, we've got a big, quite a big property portfolio, all ambulance stations, um, and we're selling buildings where we can, we can do that. But what we don't want to be doing, which has been suggested, is we start selling buildings to pay wages. Mm. That's, a trip, that's the wrong thing to do. It's, you can't survive doing that. After 43 years in the job, there's not much this ambulance officer hasn't had to deal with. But the past few months have been particularly tough. He tears up recalling how hard it's been. You don't know how, how scary it was. The first part of lockdown with this COVID. That's Checkpoint reporter Nita Black Person speaking to a St John paramedic. Hey, I'm 65 on the road. My first job out to a South African, just come off the plane, 25 hours in and out of airports. What you would possibly be going through now in your head if I told you that that's come up on your MBT? I'm 65, is this it? Is this it for me? Is this the last one? And what do they do? The thing I'm looking for is, is the little perfect end? We're going to get time and a quarter, time and a half. 
He doesn't want to be identified out of fear of losing his job, but he's furious to hear that the penal rates, which cover weekend and night shifts that he and his colleagues fought hard for during industrial action last year, are now under threat as St John feels the financial pinch. Mindling, it's been the same ball that's been going on for years and years and years. They promise you something and then just to shut you up so you don't, so the strike's over and then they take it away from you. It just, it just guts me and we can always smell a rat. Is this the right company we're working for? They don't know what the books look like? What's going on? Have you ever been to government and said we want to be fully government funded? Yes, we've been many times. Yeah, we've, we've got, you know, we, I've, I've spent the past two years, it feels like um, a large part of my time as chief executive uh, over the last two years has, has, spent, has been spent on this on this one issue. That must be annoying. Um, I think it's, an, it's, it's well, it's, um, I, I didn't expect it to, I didn't expect it to be such a dominant part of my job when I returned from the UK. I think, I think, you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing. When I returned from the UK in 2012, uh, um, I was shocked to see we still had single crewed ambulances. Yeah. And so uh, I think I turned my attention to that issue immediately. And we were fortunate to get funding for an extra 450 staff over four years. And we're now in a position where in 10 months' time we will we will no, no longer have any ambulance single crew in New Zealand, which is fantastic. But benefit of hindsight, I should have turned my attention earlier to the issue of our funding level. So I think my staff would say that, Peter, you should have acted quicker on, on this issue. Um, and I think they're absolutely correct. And I think what, you know, if, if I was being, if I was being generous to myself, I'd say that we as a, an organisation, including our board, we'd normalised living on the funding we received. And I think eventually uh, we'd, used our, we'd used our cash reserves up. And my uh, our chief financial officer says, we're running a smell of the oily rag, but we can't now take the rag away as well. Um, and I think it's a good, it's a good statement. And, so, and, and I think the other challenge we've got here is that because we are seen as quite successful, yeah. uh, people say, well, what, why does St John need $100 million a year extra? They're, they're doing a great job. I was going to ask about we're, that. We're, yeah. we're, not a, we're not actually a crisis. We're not a, we're not a problem. I also think we've stretched the goodwill of the public our donors, and we've also used up a lot of our money. We, you know, we have to borrow money from the ASB every 10 weeks to pay our wages. Huh. We have to borrow £20 million every every 10 weeks to pay the wages. And ASB are now saying, well, we can't, we can't lend you any more money. We're in a situation where we need to see a change. We, we believe that this is the final year that we can manage this organisation like, like we have on the funding we get. What does that mean? What it means is my board would say, if we can't get the funding model changed, once and for all, finally get the funding to fully funded um, as part of this renewed contract, then the, then we as an organisation need to make a decision. We either significantly change the service we provide the public, uh, and it is a service that is smaller, slower, but operates within the funding envelope we've got, or the board says, actually, can, can we actually hand on heart maintain this service as a going concern, and therefore can we still run the service? I don't think it will come to either of those because I do think there's an absolute understanding and speaking to Ashley Bloomfield um, and uh, to Scott Pickering, who's the ACC chief executive, uh, uh, there's an absolute commitment to getting the funding sorted out, and not just uh, a little bit here or there, this big step change we need. Um, so we're putting a lot of weight and time and effort onto making sure that we get this year, this year is the year to, to, to get that. The thing is, with greater funding comes greater responsibility. At the moment, St John isn't really accountable to anyone except the board and the public, and that would change big time if it were to be fully funded by government. So would that stability justify the loss of autonomy? I come from an ambulance service that was fully funded in London, mm. and we were micromanaged uh, managed closely. I arrived in a service that was left alone by and large, mm. but had no money. 
and, and someone said to me, which would you prefer, Peter? <laughs> and the answer is pretty straightforward. Uh, micromanage, give us the money. I'm very happy to be held accountable for every penny. I think what you don't want to be is left... We've had a little, we've had a little bit of that over the years where you get no money, but also you're micromanaged. There's no advantage being 70% funded at all, none at all. The advantage in, in an organisation like ours running the service because we've got a, such a fantastic brand and reputation and we're in, we're in every community in New Zealand and we've got fantastic public support. So why would you want the organisation of a government run when St John can do it with the right funding? Does it get frustrating having to do this every year? Yeah, it's been varied. You know, I mean, I don't want to get the violin out because no, I, I, get, I get paid for to do this job. You do. I yeah. think, I think, I think I get frustrated that my staff don't think that I'm doing enough. I get frustrated that my staff think that I should be more vocal about my concerns. But I try and balance that with not wanting to scaremonger or to hold guns to people's heads or whatever terminology you want to use. So we try, the, we, we try to do this the right way. We've done a huge amount that no one will ever know about behind the scenes to try and secure money. And we have, we've had some success, but um, not a week goes by, not a day goes by where we're at, we aren't having conversations, having meetings, trying to do the right thing. And uh, that will continue. And, and certainly my commitment is for our service, for our people, because our people need to hear this, because they have to have confidence that things are, that they need to see and need to know that things are going to change because it's, it feels like it's always going to be next year. Peter, you've been saying that for seven years. It's always next year. It's always next year. When will it be this year? When will we see this change finally happen? And and uh, I'm come what may, it will it will happen. Uh, it has to happen, uh, whatever we, whatever it takes, um, because we can't leave New Zealanders with an ambulance service that's three quarters funded. It's not it's not going to work. What has government said to you over the past eight years when you've raised this with them? Why hasn't big change happened in this area? When we when the government changed, um, I think David Clark. I met David Clark six weeks before the election, actually, in my office. He said that um, he recognised that the funding model for the ambulance service, it should be funded along the same similar lines to police and fire, um, and that he looked forward to trying to get that sorted out for us. I think um, when the government came in and inherited what they inherited, uh, they, they looked at where their priorities were for the health service. And clearly, given what we said before about the, where the ambulance service, how it was performing, they, they didn't see that as an immediate priority. And it soon became apparent that actually there was an, an unwillingness to change the funding during the life of the contract. Mm. And I think that was a really important point. I think for the last two years we've worked our backsides off to try and get it changed, but it became apparent about, to me, about nine months ago, that come what may, that the funding model was not going to be changed by the government until the end of the four years. Therefore, St John, live within your means. Mm. And I think that realisation has been helpful because now it's meant that we can turn our attention to getting through this next. This next year is a massive challenge for St John, by the way. Why? Uh, well, because this is the biggest. This is our biggest deficit. You know, we we we, we were talking about a fifty million dollar deficit on a, on a turnover of three hundred million. It's a big number, yeah. and uh, that, that this was always going to be the case. And it's almost like a gap year. How do we survive this next year? for the pot of gold, arguably, at the, at the end of it all, but, you know, to, to, to be confirmed. So I think we, we are holding out. We, we, so we are in this year of, this final year of our contract, which started last week, to say what can we do to minimise the impact on our organisation, to minimise the impact on patients, to get through the year, uh, make savings, and, and then, but meantime, work with Ministry of Health to, to secure a, a new funding arrangement from next July. Um, but we are talking, you know, we, we're looking to um, lose 100 staff, uh, we've got some significant savings to make in our organisation. Oh, I'm having to make my team smaller as an executive, a range of savings. And, you know, and we're not unique in that, but we're talking, for, uh, talking about an organisation that we believe is already pretty lean. 
what is your estimation of how much would it cost in terms of you know initial capital investment and then uh, increases to keep pace with inflation or whatever to get you up to the standard that you would like to be at? We need 100 million a year. Okay. Which, uh, and if you're adding that as, as our capital component, it's around 100 million. Okay. So 100 million would see St John sustainable, able to provide a better service, an even better service, certainty over staffing, certainty over equipment. Um, you know, we, we had that. We had the issue of our control room. Our, you know, our biggest 111 call centre and dispatch centre in Auckland that we, you know, we, we managed to get some money from the government for. But you know, we shouldn't be scratching. You know, we were thinking about having to, you know, ask the public to fund that. That's ridiculous. You know, we, we, we need that infrastructure. We need the same access and support as police and fire have got. We are a national emergency service. Um, and, you know, and, and I know we've had feedback, we get rhetoric around, well, you're just, you're just another NGO. No, we're not just another NGO. We're the National Emergency Ambulance Service. And uh, you might say, well, I would say that, wouldn't I? But we're very different. We're not just another NGO, whatever that might be. We are the National Ambulance Emergency Service, and that's got to be funded in a way that will deliver what people expect in New Zealand, for, as they would for police or fire. That's it for today. I'm Emil Donovan. The detail is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz and made possible by RNZ and NZ On Air. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so other people can find us too. This episode was engineered by Rangi Poak and produced by Alexia Russell and Sharon Brett Kelly. And thanks to Peter Bradley. Kaki te anō. <laughs>